0: to me you can slip it in my pocket uh you can just transact it into my bank account
1: we just someone just needs to believe just needs to believe um speaking of which ted cruz has said it's absolutely necessary for us to be funded yeah
0: i've heard that space force
1: yeah space force you've heard about us on chapel trap house pod save america probably come (laughs) up in google articles everyone's talking about us it's crazy yeah ted cruz it's absolutely necessary to fund space force because we need to fight fight space pirates and I'm not necessarily against piracy of any kind. But no. if I get to fight a f- space pirate, I'm for it. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they exist yet. But I guess we, we don't.
0: We don't know. Are you are you familiar with the dark forest theory of space?
1: No, I'm not actually. Are you
0: really? Oh, it's like the answer to the uh, the Fermi paradox. Um, oh, that's the uh, that Chinese. Um, Writer, the three-body power one, kind of confronts the mm. same idea. And basically the idea is, you know, the Fermi paradox is that, that life should be abundant in the universe and we should have encountered an intelligent civilization at this point. Mm-hmm. The Dark Forest Theory says that um, we can't trust other civilizations. And so the goal is to remain hidden as long as possible. Until we're ready to until, others. essentially others. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like a, I'm, this is a really truncated version, much like my mm. explanation of the Civil War, but... Mm, that's even still st- accurate. <laughs> even Stephen Hawking
1: had that belief a little bit where he's like, yeah, I don't think we want to find other life.
0: Oh, well, he felt that way about uh, robots too, right? Yeah, like, we, oh,
1: we don't want, we don't want no AI. <laughs> well, and I mean, so far things aren't looking good for what AI is going to be doing. for right. us. <laughs> we talked about this a little bit, but it's like it, the Jurassic it, park thing. It's also the same thing like with GMOs where, Oh cool. It should lead to abundance and everyone will get to eat and it's great. But the fact that it's owned by like three major corporations who control everything and, and plans, the chinese government yeah design plants that kill other plants and stuff oh we're talking
0: about, about gmo not AI. yeah <laughs>
1: so it's like what no it's gonna be terrible same thing with ai it should lead to abundance like no one will have to work it should be utopia yeah i read that uh, that idea too back in like need. the 1920s and here we are yeah and then <laughs> luckily cyberpunk existed where it was like uh what are you fucking dumb are you fucking dumb this shit's gonna be terrible uh, well, uh, that said, yeah, this is Space Force. We're popular with Republican politicians mm-hmm. for some reason.
0: They obviously have not listened to the podcast.
1: Yeah, they just want us to fight pirates. Um, I um, am the
0: kind of man that you want to fight a space pirate.
1: I, I can fight people, I guess, for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not? Or fame. Prize fighter. Nah, um,
0: not really. I don't give a shit about fame.
1: If it leads to... Money. Cultural significance. I don't care care about Finn. I want to be like James Connolly. Dead? Yeah, but dying for a good reason. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) remember me as a martyr. Speaking of which, I think last weekend was like the 103rd anniversary of his execution. Because the Easter Rising is 1916.
0: Oh, shit. yeah, Yeah, I guess it would be. I think
1: it was like last weekend. Forgot to mention it. Sorry, James Connolly's ghost. Don't haunt us with your clovers and shamrocks. No, he didn't want that shit. Oh wait, yeah, <laughs> he he was all about socialism. I remember that song. He was hammer and sickle guy. Not is it
0: Dubliners? Is that
1: no? That's like the Saw Doctors. Okay, thank you. One of the more modern Irish bands.
0: Sometimes I sing old Irish drinking songs to court <laughs> because she hates the uh, for some reason she hates the Irish accent. <laughs> yeah, and really, and really, really enjoy it.
1: That's weird. Like yeah, a lot of people that. Um, like, been around me, like especially around Christmas time. I'll listen to Irish music a lot mm-hmm. and like, girlfriends and stuff. And I was like, oh, I just hate the way it sounds. But for, to me, it's like, what do you mean? It's like, <laughs> fuck you. This is the greatest melodies of all time. <laughs> this is how people are supposed to sing.
0: <laughs> That's how I am Went
1: home on Friday night,
0: as drunk, drunk as drunk can be.
1: Bee. That's two geranium plants. Me mother left for me, but they're not. She's no, they're on She's, man, it's many a day I <laughs> poor Ronnie I Drew Ronnie Drew getting cheated on his best song is um the one that's about the famine um, Shane God actually wrote it but Ronnie Drew sings it it's like the Sands or something like that I think I know what you're talking about I can't remember a single word yeah it's one of the <laughs> it's one of the ones where like they starts off like oh here's all the horrors of the famine and then by the time you get to the end it's like and I shot the bailiff and the landlord <laughs> it's like alright cool right on man those are my beliefs, too. <laughs> um, so, I'm Kyle. I'm Sean. Uh, what are some of your honorifics? I don't have any. Uh, I'm Kyle, a.k.a. Kizza, a.k.a. Lance Cash, a.k.a. Money Short Like Muggsy, <laughs> a.k.a. Teeth Like God's Prison Shank. I don't think anybody gave you this. <laughs> a.k.a. Chorizo addict. Uh, <laughs> also, I feel like your love of chorizo is just because it tastes a
0: lot like linguisa.
1: Yeah, I think that is what it is, but also kill cops, turn them into (laughs) trees, Um,
0: The only thing I ever got, like, uh, in elementary school, the kids called me Dumbo, but I grew into those ears.
1: Oh, yeah. Even our sisters used to make fun of our ears when we were Mm -hmm. little, though, because they were oversized, but now they're pretty normal, because the rest of my head grew. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yeah. So, what's some other big news aside from we're finally going to get funding from...
0: Ted Cruz From the government <laughs> I don't. my dreams Have come true I don't Yeah sh- uh, I have no worries anymore Yeah Everything is uh, good now Masada s- <laughs> Speaking of uh, Disney Did you see the uh, Like a little Aladdin preview They had I saw like a Maybe like a six-second clip of Will Smith seeing um, You ain't uh, never Had Prince, it heard like me No like the oh. Prince
1: Ali song Oh, I always liked that song. Yeah, not good.
0: No, I mean the part, like the reason I liked it is like you have Ron Williams singing the song, and then like the genie is like morphing into other people and like mm-hmm. doing little commentary. Uh, that whole commentary part is cut. Will Smith is not doing voices. Oh, I I, I like Will Smith a lot, and he has yeah, like, a lifetime pass from Fresh Prince. There is a reason when they're remaking the Lion King, they just recast James Earl Jones as uh, Mufasa. It's really hard to follow that. And I feel kind of the same way about Robin Williams' performance as the genie. He's basically a living cartoon, anyways. Yeah, like
1: why? Why don't they just have Robin Williams do it? <laughs> also, think the, think the fact that know. he's like a CG character, anyways. Like they no, just, they have
0: a. He has a couple bits where he's actually there. Oh yeah.
1: well, I mean, they could have just um, used all Robin Williams' lines from the they animated. They basically or you know what they could have done? They're is just a, doing it anyways. Like it's just a re, almost a shot for shot remake is what I've yeah, seen so far. What they should have done is um, just it's, not made it. These live-action Disney movies are so lazy. You mean these um, uh, copyright extensions? Yeah that's, I mean. yeah, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Copyright extensions, which uh, brings me to a, actually a really important quote I wanted to read. That uh, so I'm about to quit my job, and uh, it's making my brain much more active. So I've been, I'm, <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm not like suffering under the yoke of capitalism so much right now. I am still, <laughs> you will be, but I'm about to be free of it for a couple months. So I've been uh refamiliarizing myself with uh some philosophers and things like that that I've always been interested in and stuff. Uh, so uh this is the the uh poet uh, uh, uh poet philosopher George Carlin. Yeah, <laughs> the beat poet George Carlin. Uh yeah, this will be like a full mask off episode. I uh, I'm sure it's already been apparent but I am like radically left. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll just get into some theory real quick. And uh this I I was reading this And I feel like. So it's something I've talked about on the podcast, but I haven't been able to express exactly what I meant. Like, as regards to Marvel Cinematic Universe, Game of Thrones, basically the industry of culture, which is what Theodore Adorno was very critical of. I'm going to read a quote from him now, which encapsulates my feelings about the problems with popular media. And it's Amusement under late capitalism is the prolongation of work. It is sought after as an escape from the mechanized work process and to recruit strength in order to be able to cope with it again. But at the same time, mechanization has such power over a man's leisure and happiness, and so profoundly determines the manufacture of amusement goods, that his experiences are inevitably after images of the work process itself. The, uh, the ostensible content is merely a faded foreground, what sinks in. Sinks in is the automatic succession. Syncs of, in. <laughs> syncs in is the automatic succession of standardized operations. What happens at work in the factory or in, in the office can only be escaped from by approximation to it in one's leisure time.
0: Uh, just a quick aside before we actually break that down. Uh, philosophers have a huge problem being able to talk to uh, regular people, and it's well, because they use words like approximation.
1: Well, I, I actually really like the way he writes.
0: Obviously, he's not actually—that's actually not bad yeah. compared to some other philosophers. But that, even yeah. that, you can simplify that.
1: Well, yeah, he, they. Um, so he's from the Frankfurt School, which everyone on the internet hates because uh, postmodern cultural Marxism—you know—that made-up shit. Yeah, but really, it's because uh, most of the people in the Frankfurt School were Jewish. So oh. people on the internet don't like Yamakas. Yeah, because they're Jewish. Yeah, it's anti-Semitism. But um, they do use the the dialectic um, method, essentially, is like how most of them wrote, was using dialectism, which is just a way to debate, honestly. Yeah, but, yeah that's um, the problem. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it could be simplified into layman's terms, but uh, I guess which is what we're going to do right now, because I want to explain how I think it applies to... These things I'm hypercritical against.
0: Like fist of the North Star, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: is what we watched, and we're gonna get to it. I'm gonna bring up like another concept, but I think <laughs> I don't know. We'll, let's I talk. here. Yeah. are we gonna it. talk Game of Thrones at all in this? Uh, I really don't. I, I mean, all I have to say is, um, I did like the uh the cinematography of Episode Five. I yeah. feel like it was one of the only times I could see a unique visual language. It was just Michael Bay. <laughs> but at least like I mean,
0: I mean, there's some more to it than that. But there's a lot yeah, it of was like in the, the yeah, school of Michael Bay, that's so for to sure. speak. Uh, especially the the weird horse scene at the end. There's a lot of Christian imagery that I think this particular director throws at it. Yeah,
1: Miguel Sapochnik
0: or whatever. Yeah,
1: um, he seems to be a competent director. He's directed other episodes that I thought were incredibly bland. But like the uh, didn't you direct the Long Night episode too? Oh, he might have. I don't. I don't remember, but. Um. Yeah. No. I thought this episode look cool. I really like the practical gore effects that they were just throwing in everywhere, like seeing people getting like their face chopped off, which uh, I forgot. I missed the ultra violence because all they have been fighting is CGI cartoon skeletons. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. The funny thing is, they could do practical effects for a lot of like the um,
0: uh, white elites, right?
1: And when the the library scene with Arya in episode three that was practical. Well, yeah, the practical like where she stands. a lot Ron of the and, uh, uh,
0: and for. for the uh, first few seasons, the uh, the zombies, the weights were all practical. Yeah, products, but they whatever. Were, they were just like. There's you know. a lot of problems with this show, and, and I'll say this for for the Danny uh, transition. Like, if uh, if Madness is a twelve step program, and I said this to you. She was mm. maybe on like step five or six, uh, and you know, Tyrion was acting like she was on step ten. And as soon as this episode starts, they just pick her up and
1: move her right to step twelve. Yeah, just because they had to get there. You know? Yeah, it's like, like it's yeah, no we logical progression we here. Yeah, anything. they foreshadowed it, but yeah. okay. Yeah, that's not, like, development of no. the story. <laughs> we foreshadowed it. We let you know we were going to do it, and then we just did it. So, cool. We let you know, so it's good. That's good writing, right? <laughs> no, let's, uh,
0: let's talk about how Game of Thrones just shows us work.
1: All right. So, yeah, we'll get back to this Theodore Adorno quote. Um, so... Uh, the quote I, it could be misinterpreted as saying like the content of the show itself is a reflection of everyday work, which obviously isn't the case for Marvel or Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes a it is a little though. bit. Yeah, I mean, the like, Office, Parks and Rec, Miracle There's so many things that <laughs> are.
0: You know my my biggest one is uh, Superstore.
1: Yeah, so many things are just an approximation of the Who doesn't want to work in retail, bureaucratic capitalist... Mechanization, right? Some of these direct translations of that make you like feel comfortable about your shitty office life because oh, at least there's a cute office somewhere, you know. That's <laughs> why so many people are obsessed with the office. I think.
0: I mean, there's some clever. I <clears throat> it is funny. I'm not, I'm not. I fucking hate office life. I've always hated it. I don't hmm. think any real offices ever really look like the Office TV show. No, but there's some clever shit going on. But that's
1: the whole thing is so that probably wasn't their original intent to glamorize office life in right. some way but it is like people it is this picturesque fantasy of an office and that is reinforcing
0: and it really just goes to like the cultural chains of right and like people just aren't critical enough of of stuff like that
1: yeah which um the Game of Thrones once again people like just let people enjoy it don't worry about it it's like no you need to criticize your media like I'm sorry that being challenged about things is like so absolutely taboo these days (laughs) But like, like, it's taboo. It's it's scary and it angers people. But I, it doesn't matter. Like you need to be critical of the media you're consuming and what its intent is, what its accidental result is, that sort of thing. So as it applies to Game of Thrones and the Marvel Universe, um, I've said it before. I think TV shows these days are just treadmills, right? They just want to keep you on the treadmill so you'll consume more products and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, um, which is a direct reflection of capitalist mechanization, right? So Game of Thrones is just this factory output, you know? And so people have been having problems with it recently because the writing got glaringly bad enough, <laughs> but the writing has been bad for a while. And the, the way that shows even produced and all TV shows is this is the industrialization of art. Like it doesn't even the, the, the film in, Music and TV shows, all these things don't even need to be art anymore. This is just utility exchange. You know what I mean? It's just the industrialization of art. Right, it's just here you go. This is a product we've created. Please continue to consume this product. Um, and then, okay, everyone's disappointed now at, at it at the end, but it doesn't matter. They already made so much money off of it. And I mean, it does matter. I mean, I guess. But does it? I well, mean, it doesn't it doesn't
0: really matter one way or the other. I mean, to me personally, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter one way or the other whether you they someone someone else enjoyed it, but um but it does matter to the industry, right? Because they're trying to make a thousand more Game of Thrones
1: shows after this, right? Right, but that's just the continuation of the industry, Right, but you just you're know? you
0: saying that it doesn't matter that people are upset about it now and I'm saying that it does because it does affect the bottom line. Oh, maybe they going won't forward. make more yeah. money after
1: going forward. Well, my
0: that's a. I think that's a separate argument.
1: Yeah. What, well, yeah. my take on that, even though, is it doesn't matter. Whatever the next thing is, they're just gonna mass produce that as well. Like, here you go, just consume this product we create. Okay. Well, people really like the emojis, so we we'll an emoji. You know. Yeah. I mean? oh, that movie did real well. <laughs> well. They made money off of it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely made money off of it. So yeah, shit's always been. There's always been bad TV shows and. and there's and always.
0: Been, I mean, TV shows. Historically, I've never had any value. I mean, go back and look at the history of TV; it's always been
1: that. Right, exactly. I'm. I'm not saying, I'm. You'll never see me say <laughs> that there's value in television shows because I absolutely do not believe that there is.
0: I mean, there are few and far between, but yeah.
1: The, and they'll, of course, once in a while, they'll try to drop in like little messages, maybe that oh, well, you know, here's a political idea, here's a social theory, or maybe, you know, here's some liberal thought that's sprinkled in. But everything always returns to the status quo. You know what I mean? So Disney, all they want, can have us go to Canto Bite and hear about how terrible the 1% are. But then <laughs> the status quo is going to return anyways. So as soon as you walk out of Disney, it's like, oh, you know, I felt really good when that major corporation told me how to feel about Major corporations. (laughs) So it's they're just reinforcing their power over society, I think, a lot of times.
0: I mean, I guess.
1: And the, the thing is, obviously, the writers of Game of Thrones, as bad as they are, they didn't initially set out, I think, to reinforce capitalist, liberal philosophy. Well, no, I mean, the show itself isn't necessarily doing that. Well, I mean, it does, strangely, reinforce... Feudal society, though. right. Which well, is, well, the only people we hear care about in the story, and this is true of the books too, are these important lords. There's a few characters that are bastards, and it's like, well, I guess they're somewhat of an outsider, but it's still this. It's still a concept that reinforces the importance of so-called important people.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what well, that's hard to. I mean, it's hard to argue against that in any context i mean can you think of a a show that that shows you just regular mundane people or any artwork that that really does that i can think of a a few books but certainly not a lot of movies or or tv shows like even the people they present as as normal are like extraordinarily normal you know what i mean well in
1: tv shows everyone's always very privileged so like even the like friends right friends are supposed to be just normal friends hanging out or whatever right but they have these amazing apartments in New York. You know? Yeah, well, so, they made
0: some... Like, Monica's ma- grandma owned that apartment. It's rent-controlled, and they're living there illegally. Yeah, That's so the that, whole...
1: Yeah, thing. which yeah. is cool. They lampshaded that in, like, eight seasons in. Or <laughs> I think they did it in the first season. Yeah, right but, know no, I mean, they always just established, like, oh, yeah, this is how normal people live, and if you're not doing this, then, hey, man, just work harder at capitalism. <laughs> oh, you're, be a good poor. <laughs> Stop being a bad poor. You, have a, a, you need to have an abundance mentality. <laughs> <laughs> not a scarcity mentality. These are just some thoughts I've been having, and yeah, like I said, uh, and as you asked, yeah, TV—you're not ever gonna see TV characters that are just mundane, strictly mundane, normal but outsider characters that are challenging. I, and system. And I mean, I don't
0: even argue that people
1: don't—that
0: the reason you don't see that is because people aren't interested in it and they don't want to see it. I mean, think it's, it's for mass consumption, and largely people, right. Aren't, it goes back to what we talked at the start of the beginning is people just aren't critical enough of the media yeah. they consume well, and there's really not anything you're going to do be able to do about that you yeah. can't make people uh, want to think more about this shit
1: right so uh, your question about there being art content that does challenge those norms uh, actually kind of does apply to Fist of the North Star in a certain way and we'll get more into the history of anime in the 80s but uh, uh, Cyberpunk is absolutely the answer to (laughs) your question this because cyberpunk is always the outsider that is trying to disrupt the machine escape the machine that sort of thing and cyberpunk is not the first thing to do it there's tons of art movements dadaism uh, things like that that are challenging uh, corporate neoliberal ideas neoliberal is obviously more recent but there's Uh, Resistance to fascism in the early Mm -hmm. 20th century. And you know, there's always. We
0: talked about that, like martial arts movies. You're
1: right. And martial arts movies absolutely reflect the outsider or someone of a lower caste finding justice for the people. And that's why they resonate so well with minority communities in the United States, right? Like Wu Tang Clan. Why is Wu Tang Clan Wu Tang Clan? Why do they have all these references to martial arts movies? Because that spoke to poor black people in the United States. Plus, the kicks
0: are cool. Yeah, and, I mean,
1: <laughs> martial arts is dope.
0: We're not talking about the North Star. We can get to it. <laughs> uh,
1: so, there, that's that's my major point. This is just something I've been thinking about and I wanted to bring up and talk to you about it. Because um, uh, I'm always a major proponent of outsider art in general. I like outsider art. Before we started the podcast, I like art that's confrontational. I told you that. The thing that made me start thinking about it is Game of Thrones being bad and people getting upset about it but there is an element of it where yeah it's just kind of not what I expected and it's a letdown. not people being critical of the fact that well it never was actually that good it didn't have that much artistic integrity as the, the books themselves do and I'm sure I sound like such an elitist pretentious douchebag but there is artistic integrity to the books because there is a political message within the books. These are fully developed characters. There's. A social what do you, I, I, don't,
0: I don't know what you're talking about. I think it was a perfect. It made perfect sense to have Cersei. Uh, the largely the villain of the entire Game of Thrones, I guess, <laughs> have a romantic farewell with her brother before they she dies.
1: I was happy to see Lena Headey, and also <laughs> I gotta commend her on getting a, apparently a million dollars an episode for this season. Oh shit! And <laughs> Do nothing. She stands in that window drinking wine, and she's got maybe like fifteen minutes of screen time. <laughs> like, you get it. Like, that's fine. Like. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't have any problems with actors or set design. Uh, art direction, for the most part, is fine. Music Costume's we talked fine. about. Music's fine. Um, uh, the, the cinematography and direction is really bland, but it's TV. And Sometimes it's... Like, there's the mo- again, TV. there's
0: moments that are have some flashes, but that's yeah. all right.
1: Well, the way TV operates is very much industry. Yeah,
0: I yeah. guess yeah, that's true.
1: Like, you don't know how many seasons you're going to get. You've got to do like, contract negotiations every season. You don't know if you're going to be able to get the same directors back. A director you can't commit to do multiple episodes can't be written by the same team because you don't know if you're going to have the same staff right. And this is all just bureauc- bureaucratic industry, you know? So, that's why TV sucks. That's why capitalism sucks. <laughs> but speaking of capitalism, we will now somewhat transition to North- of the North Star because we're going to talk about uh, the economic boom in Japan in the 80s. Japan's doing great in the 80s. Plastic love! Hell yeah. <laughs> Japan's making tons of money. This is the first time they've been like... Economically viable since World War Two, essentially, because mm-hmm. we fucked them up. But yeah, they fucked themselves up. I guess, yeah, but um, like they fucked themselves up by making a bad choice. By attacking, you know, but they, they, I'm not saying Japan are heroes in any way in World War Two or anything like that. Oh,
0: you mean when they invaded mainland China? Yeah, and <laughs> were
1: just as terrible as Nazis and act like it didn't happen still today. And they also have, like, the most, like, ethno-nationalism of any country in the world. Yeah, so Japan's not the greatest or anything. But, um, I don't know, after we firebomb the shit out of them, if we should have also dropped two atomic bombs on them. And then also sanction the shit out of them afterwards. <laughs> I don't know what the right answer to that. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, like how
0: well you can have, go, how go try to have a nicer peace with the country after mm-hmm. a, like World War Two, but then we tried that with Germany in World War One. Like really, what have should have happened after World War One? We
1: should have broken up Germany into its its uh, well, Prussia pieces. and Bavaria. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that would have been the right choice either because Germ- World War Two is happened because of like the economic failing of Germany really they just which was because of the Treaty of Versailles Yeah, obviously we, they had to scapegoat it but
0: I don't know, we're getting far from you know, oh, whatever anyways
1: <laughs> Japan's doing great in the 80s man they're selling cars to the Americans uh, that Americans are yeah, loving they're gonna them crush us. they're making so many electronics there's just tons of money pouring into Japan Sony and the um, animation boom is taking place in Japan in the 80s this is really the kick off of anime as a viable sort of uh industrial product but at this point i'm gonna say it's not completely industrialized yet it's getting a lot of independent financing and the fact that otaku culture does not exist yet what uh when did fritz and osha come 86 86 okay yeah i
0: would say it's probably a couple years away 79 is really, uh, to me, when anime starts to take well, off. Like Gundam, when, yeah. Yeah, that's when uh, Hayao Miyazaki's Lupin movie comes out. That's mm-hmm. when Gundam comes out.
1: Castle of Cagliostro.
0: Cagliostro. Cagliostro. Caliustro. Cog- Which, uh, the opening of Fist of the North Star reminds me of that, but I like mm-hmm. uh, I like Lupin better.
1: Well, uh, so I, Fist of the North Star um, is not on the same artistic level as a lot of the other animes of the same time period. Because Akira is going to come out two years after this. Yeah, that's true. You right? know, like... Kira is, is way different than Fist and But I do think it represents a very interesting time in Japan that is directly in opposition to what we were just talking about with the mechanization, capitalization, industrialization of art in the United States currently, or worldwide. In that there's a lot of money going to animation, but there is no one in control of it. And they basically are like, let's see what we can do with animation. Like, there's no limits to it. Like, it's gonna... Now people look at it, and it's gross, right? Because it's hyper-violent, hyper-masculine, a lot of it's grossly sexual. Like, I watched Ninja Scroll this <laughs> week, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: ah, Ninja Scroll.
1: <laughs> um, but that I feel like that would be... It is an interesting sort of, uh, like, period for especially a majorly capitalistic money-driven culture like japan even in the 80s where they were like you know what let's just experiment with animation and see what we can do like in fist of the north star they spent money on um studying anatomy for their animators and all sorts of things so that like when they did when the they gore folks, <laughs> yeah like you'd actually see like realistic intestines and brain matter coming out and stuff um major thing you may have noticed though is um when it had its first theatrical run, they got a lot of complaints about how uh, gruesome you know, was. Effects? Yeah. yeah, so you'll notice that there'll be random filters put on it, and the pan will change so it's zoomed in or off center a little bit. Yeah, That's them retooling it so it's not quite as violent. You know like how uh, Scorsese had to have the ending of Taxi Driver be black and white? Yeah, so, or
0: uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 had to do black and white, right? Yeah.
1: And apparently there is... Well, there was a rumor for a long time that there was unedited reel. Obviously there had to be because that's at some what point, aired right? in theaters and aired in parts of Europe. But I guess there was a fire at the studio. And presumably that completely unedited footage was lost. But then apparently there was a trailer for an Italian print of it in the 90s that had unedited footage in it. So... Someone's like, well, there's got to be a reel for that one somewhere, and no one knows where it is. It's like, and, like all these, there's all these like lost movies, and they always turn up in like some janitor closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, in this case, it sounds like um, Toei, the company that made Fist of the North Star,
0: Toei Animation.
1: Yeah, they might have um, actually got a hold of that reel and, and like destroyed, it. not destroyed it, but like act, they just act like it doesn't exist. Oh, just like uh, Disney and Song of the South. Mm-hmm which is weird cuz i don't think it was anything particularly offensive uh, It but the gore effects they left in and what you can see like i'm sure it's not like the best coolest most awesome shit you want to watch but unless you're weird like me and it's like oh that's metal <laughs> as fuck but it, i don't it does i don't think it's it's i don't know i don't think it would be that offensive to modern audiences i mean like
0: the the gore they had left in it, it, i guess it's extreme um, but if it's it's not that bad, really. No, it can't be. It's more comical and campy than anything.
1: Yeah, which is what's great about this movie. <laughs> like I've wa- I watched The Fifth North Star two and a half times. <laughs> uh, so it is bad, especially the dub. Did you watch the dub? I did
0: watch the dub, because that's how I would have watched it. When yeah, I watched yeah, it was, when it was like, yeah.
1: on Sci-Fi Channel and stuff. Um, it's a bad movie. It's just uh walk around beating up guys kind of anime. Which you know,
0: it's like a martial arts cowboy movie. Kind well, of. he's
1: dressed like Mad Max, but he's supposed to be Bruce Lee. Yeah, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> that's his move all the time. So many fast, so many fast punches. Um,
0: all the, uh, all the, all the bad guys in this, except for like Shin and Rao, uh, they look like rejects from Road Warrior clans, like the same Road Warrior clan. Uh-huh. And
1: also the scale of these men. Oh, I love that part. Insane. I think that was intentional, right? Well, it seems of to change. Some of it's inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. but and. It, well, even when it's, like, seemingly normal-sized dudes, like, say, our hero, Ken, they only in the dub they only call him Ken, but his name's, like, Kenichiro, mm-hmm. but uh, when he rescues the little pink-haired girl for the first time, and she, like, stands up, and it's, like, it's presumably she's, like, 8 to 10 years old, right? Can you imagine an 8 to 10-year-old that only goes up to, like, your knee? <laughs> How tall would you be, like, 9 feet? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other thing, too, like, time-wise, I'm not sure, like, the time frame of the war because, um, uh, Lin and Bat were alive before the war, right? Yeah. And presumably years have passed since the war, at least a couple years. Uh, we know a year at least has passed since Ken and Shin's fight, um, when he first meets Lin. So,
1: how, like, how long, how many years ago was this nuclear war? Like, only, like, ten or so.
0: Yeah, it has to be less than ten.
1: Um yeah a lot of it uh it's, i think they well you can tell that they just rushed through a bunch of different volumes of the manga mm-hmm. right because it's every, it's like every 15 minutes he's defeating a new what would have been a villain for a run of the manga you know yeah, right, right. so i think the, a lot of the the finer details didn't make it into the film Cause what they really wanted to do is just show gushes of blood, fucking awesome karate dudes punching the shit out of each other. I love my favorite thing is um, so like they'll just like punch the shit out of someone and then they'll seem fine and then no, their head explodes. <laughs> right just because like the power of uh, whatever martial arts they're doing, the Fist of the North Star, yes, yeah. unstoppable. Uh, yeah, that's the first thing. Uh, of course, this is a Japanese film. For some reason, they never got over those atomic bombs being dropped. So they uh, a lot of media is about nuclear war, and so my favorite's Godzilla. <laughs> that's how Fist of the North Star starts. There's uh, some pretty gruesome people melting. Yeah, that was one of my first notes. Yeah, uh, which looks really cool. I like when the guy's eyeballs like fall out, but then they like disintegrate before they like leave the frame. <laughs> So, they, man, they did some cool animation with all this gore. I, it's interesting to think about, um, what if Fist of the North Star would have popped off instead of Dragon Ball Z in the Western world? Yeah, I don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they wouldn't have been able, because there is a Fist of the North Star TV series that comes out in 88. Yeah, but that's not. it's not as violent as this movie, right? It's still pretty violent, more than Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And there's, well, I mean,
0: Dragon Ball Z had some parts w- that were cut from the U.S. release,
1: like where right. they punch through people and shit. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so it wouldn't have been able to air in the United States something, and if it did, it would have been so sanitized. And because it, it, it doesn't have, like, the quite as fantastical nature of Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. like all the different aliens and different characters and stuff, Fist of the North Star is just a, Bunch of presumably Japanese dudes walking around punching the shit out each other. Some of them bigger than others. <laughs> some <laughs> of them
0: bigger from one scene to the next. My, uh, my, just a, my favorite bit is when um, Raúl is uh, gonna fight that other army, and the one dude's like, "Aha! I've turned myself into steel." And then they they start fighting. He's like, Ah, you think I'm afraid? I don't believe in no magic, magic yeah. bullshit. <laughs> Even
1: though he just fucking turned himself into steel. I was, actually, I wanted to bring up the same exact thing. Yeah, because he just did magic. <laughs> yeah, one of <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? Um, like one of us doesn't understand magic, and I'm pretty sure it's you. Yeah. Um, I so um Ken Ken and his uh, brothers. Do you think they actually are the biological brothers or just because they're like the same dojo? I think it was the same dojo thing. Although Ken and Raul do kind of look like each other. Mm-hmm. Huh? But Jaggy doesn't. He's no. got blonde hair. He looks like the Fist of the Southern. Star. Yeah, he looks like Shin. Shin. I'll, the uh, American voice actor for Ken, uh, every time he said Shin, I thought he was saying shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Yeah, so there'd be times like, shit, get up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> So, when they introduce uh, Rao and Jaggy, they're up on the cliff just watching Ken get, get murdered. Him. Shit kicked out of yeah. by Shin. And Rao's like, alright, cool, this is my time, I'll be the best. Um, I'm the fist the worst on, huh? just seems like a little bitch, so he's like... He seems to have so many different motives in that scene. Because <laughs> he's like, well, we gotta help him, he's our brother. And then he's afterwards he's like, nah, I'll kill I'm him. I'm just gonna throw him down this cliff. And then when he comes back later, it's like they had that altercation that caused Jaggy to have his head all fucked up. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, I never liked you. I want to murder you the most. And it's like, well, I wanted Rao to save him. And I thought th- I kind of feel like he just wanted Rao to fight Shin. Oh, because then he'd become the Fist of the North Star. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because he's got statues up of himself. Like he's the Fist of the North Star. You think Rao... Think the masquerades is the Fist of the North Star. That's how Ken and Ray meet, remember? Yeah. And you think Rao would be like... Nah. Nah, you did. You did, Um, But in that scene, he's just got bandages on his head. So yeah. he's holding his brains in. Yeah, with bandages. Hmm. uh, oh, oh, he his head looked pretty messed up. I don't know if bandages <laughs> can take care of that.
0: I I mean, I actually assumed that he already had those metal bits and stuff in place. used the bandage yeah. to
1: cover it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he didn't have his cool mask yet. Mm-hmm. He didn't want people to see how grody he was. <laughs> but then, uh, so one of his henchmen does remove his like, I guess, his sleeping shroud, so people <laughs> don't have to see his groaniness. And he I the animation, like that they animated him like getting Yeah. Oh, oh yeah,
0: he's fucking gross.
1: But he doesn't actually look that gross as far as like anime characters. You know what I mean? He's just got some metal shit on his face. Yeah, it's not that bad. His head throbs.
0: Actually as far as hideously disfigured, disfigured dudes, I've seen worse pictures of Doctor Doom. Yeah, he's his face is all melty. Yeah, here I mean Or no, Spawn. He's a hamburger yo, head. Yo. <laughs> Dr. Doom is a little inconsistent, because sometimes he's been drawn as perfectly handsome with just a little scar, and sometimes his face looks fucked up.
1: What do you think they'll go with in the MCU?
0: I hope they go with him being perfectly fine and just having a little small scar.
1: <clears throat> really? And it being it all in his head. Oh, that'd be an interesting concept, that it's psychological more than anything. I was thinking if we're gonna go for it, he takes his mask off, and it's the most gruesome shit a 10-year-old's ever seen
0: <laughs> it's like uh ass face from uh, the preacher
1: yeah or um, you know a lot of people like oh what was the disturbing image you saw as a child and they'd be like oh when they open the ark of the covenant in oh, yeah, yeah. and like scarred children it just looks like halfway melted <laughs> yeah they just do that with dr doom like yeah you kids will never forget this marvel shit <laughs> This melty face i don't know if dr doom was ever gonna show up honestly
0: oh he definitely is Nah, I think they gonna, need to make that money. I think it's gonna, gonna be a few years, but he's gonna show up. I think
1: they're gonna run out of money. <laughs> uh, gonna—that's the funniest joke you've ever told. Disney's gonna have to sell him to, um, Fox. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, they're actually at the point like there's no way that they're gonna—not
0: unless IP laws change.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just. I mean. Yeah, they're not gonna stop. That was like Disney's like, oh, we're going to take a break from Star Wars. And by that, they meant like a year. Star Wars presented by the writers of Game of Thrones. D.B. Weiss and David Benioff. Benioff. Who, you know what? You look at those two dudes and you're like, yeah, you guys look like you fucking suck. (laughs) Also, one of them, uh, father is the head of Goldman Sachs. So Oh, fuck him. And his dad. Yeah. I think he's the same one who said uh, themes are for eighth grade book reports. I mean, mm, uh, mm, mm, uh, mm. well, I think, um, I mean, I guess, like, if well, you- based on him being the son of the head of Goldman Sachs, yeah, and seemingly just being like a kind of a broy business degree type guy, mm-hmm. I'm thinking he probably, uh, is one of the people that doesn't like the Frankfurt School and their critical theory of literature.
0: <laughs> because of the Amicas. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm
1: getting at is uh, he, I could easily see him being an alt right bro on the internet. Like, oh, what does Count I have to say about Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> we gotta make Danny turn into a crazy woman. She's a lady. <laughs> All queens are crazy. Cersei, Danny. Um,
0: you know what really pushed Danny over the edge is when John didn't his her own nephew didn't say that he loved her. Yeah,
1: he wouldn't give her that dick. And that's what she needed. That's how she needed was a little dick comfort. Because
0: I, I will say that anybody that expected like um, uh, Edward Stark's son to um, be okay
1: with to that, be okay with incest yeah. is
0: a little is a little uh, off the rocker. Like if you thought this is how the books the books were going to end with Danny and John in a happy marriage. I mean, I don't think anyone actually thought that. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, there's some plenty of people that that's their theory. I've read uh, Westeros.org. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Even uh, th- th- that was
1: mostly like book readers, right? No, oh, that is, yeah. But there's still some people that I think
0: that's th- that have that theory. Like, there's
1: gonna be that fan like fairy tale, ending. A couple people. Mm-hmm. I definitely read it. That's pretty wild. I mean,
0: again, this this is back when I you was first reading the books of like you know, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, but shit, more than that, maybe. <sighs> God damn, these books have been out for a long time.
1: Yeah, and then good thing they finally were finished. I love the ending that George R. R. Martin wrote. <laughs> Apparently, um, they had a falling out. In, no, in there's like, a shock <laughs> in like season four or five, and like that's why he's super distanced himself from the TV show because he's like not about it. There's actually some pretty choice co- choice quotes where he's like. Yeah, I don't know. They just kill everyone left and right. There's like 20 characters they killed that are going to be alive in my book that are important. So. Well, I mean the the
0: Septa Baelor, uh, I I don't think that that's going to the explosion's going to be in
1: George R.R. Martin's book. <laughs> oh, I, I actually do think I don't think I'm not sure Cersei's going to blow up the Sept specifically, but I do think part of Cersei's downfall which is going to happen way before any Yeah, she'll be dead by the time the the last book comes out. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think I do think it'll have something to do with people freaking out that she fucking blew up part of King's Landing.
0: Mm, yeah, maybe. I just feel like um, that was their way of wrapping up a bunch of characters and plot lines they don't want to deal with anymore. Basically, the same oh, yeah. thing that well, Stephen King did in The
1: Stand. Well, yeah. Well, I agree with that, and they also like got themselves in that position anyways, because they uh, they just like didn't manage any of the characters that were involved in it. Like, why is Loras? become like a member of the faith militia you know what i mean like yeah whatever also uh loris is gay so he can't be a warrior <laughs> i like, hate loris in the show i remember I hate um, almost all the like jamie is very different cersei is actually yeah. very
0: different in the show like i don't know
1: i don't know i remember when the show was announced like the summer beforehand and they're doing casting and stuff i was like Fuck man, Lords Tyrell, he's the coolest character in the book. I gotta get to England. I'll be Lord's Tyrell. You do not have the look to play Lord's Tyrell. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to shave. <laughs> nah. Well now I'm like way too big, but <laughs> it was different back then. But um yeah, no, Lord's Tyrell one of the coolest characters in the book, I think. And then in the show, him and Renly too. We're just like, yeah, they're gay guys. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, like, oh, the gay boy. <laughs> <laughs> cool, right? We're so progressive. We put gay characters in it. And you know what they do? gay stuff <laughs> they, well I mean they are gay in the books too yeah but also Renly's like uh, charming and funny and yeah, like yeah. strong as his brothers and Loras is, is like, is like a, the best swordsman since Jaime
0: he's like the new Jaime yeah uh, the, the thing that really bothered me and and when I knew that this was going to be a problem the show was going to be a problem is in the books they don't ever actually come out and say that Loras and Renly are gay and gay together oh, yeah, they, yeah. it's just heavily implied like yeah. everybody knows it but in the
1: show they couldn't figure out a way to, to have that implication so they Show them fucking, yeah. They just have sex, yeah, awesome. And then they didn't even have um, uh, Loris's cool quote when Renly dies. And he says, uh, once the sun is set, no candle can replace it because he's all about like, he only loved Renly, he's done, no more like crazy shit. All he's gonna do now is kill and fight and be the best in the show. He's like, uh, oh, whatever. My boyfriend died, I guess I'll just start banging chicks. <laughs> um, yeah, they just. They, I think there's one other part. they don't understand their characters they don't seem to understand real human beings they seem to just put in like this completely blind. they have a very surface understanding yeah and they have like a really surface understanding of like um motivation inclusiveness oh yeah well that's just like the Avengers movie and their gig character yeah right? like what yeah it's I, it's getting to the point where this, this shit's getting offensive but like I said it's a part of the capitalist industry. Uh, fucking liberal solutions to society's ills where it is just all kind of like quaint, pandering, and pointless. Like, I the you don't know you're on a leash if you sit next to the peg all day. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, anyways, Fist and the North Star not about inclusiveness at all. Uh, I do think that they probably uh, don't like women. Um, because, basically, she is a prize to be won. And whoever is the strongest, coolest guy, whoever's got the coolest bike and can get lates all summer long. Because <laughs> that's basically what sets off the whole movie. Is uh Shin he gets the, the shit out of cannon. He's like, her. hey, I'm going to kill you and take your woman. Because she's awesome. Um, she's apparently the only woman in this wasteland. Because <laughs> we don't see anyone else except for the little girl, I think. No, there's other women. They're just not as pretty as... Well, yeah they don't have red hair mm-hmm. oh yeah oh she appears nude at the end too yeah and well, they, her, they did not bitty nipple committee yeah, i was gonna say they didn't know how to animate nipples yet <laughs> or something <laughs> her body looks really weird <laughs> but her body's like so aggressively sexualized though yeah like her her proportions well so sense are all anyways. the dudes though they're all uh-huh. buff as shit hell yeah man i like that uh they're not only they buff the shit they inconsistently buff like there'll be scenes where it's just like their biceps like the entire their biceps frame. have biceps yeah it'll just the entire frame of a shot like bigger than their entire upper body like that Rob Liefeld picture of Captain America well no system. that's like, just, like one <laughs> peck is bigger than the other
0: <laughs> they're, I mean at least their scale is you know can change from scene to scene but yeah. inside the scene it's consistent yeah that's true
1: yeah yeah so basically um this is just the coolest movie ever made um it's not the last obviously yet. not uh it's a really bad movie but um there i oh, i wanted to bring up you are um, already dead <laughs> i think you'll be the one who dies in fact i know it oh <laughs> yeah right he does that Cool. Wow! He just makes shapes with his hands in slow motion. And <laughs> turns the guy people on into. And his arms <laughs> fall off. <laughs> I like when his arms fall off. I like right? how he like Do these belong to you? And he talks to <laughs> yeah. about them. Uh, the, the editing they did to hide some of the gore, I actually think it makes it seem more experimental and interesting. Oh, it does, yeah. I'm like, Whoa! The okay. cuts. Yeah, like if I didn't know, I'd be like, Damn, this is, this is some next level shit. <laughs> but no, nah, it's just them avoiding gore. Uh, oh, but I did want to bring up. George Bataille. I fell in love with the first cute girl that I met. Could appreciate George Bataille standing at the Swedish festival discussing... Story of the Eye. Story of the Eye. <laughs> Anyways, uh, George Bataille has... Uh, George. Bataille has I'm worried, trying to figure out where this is going. Go. Oh, George Bataille is a weirdo, right? Yeah. He's one of my favorite writer, philosophers, He was really concerned with eroticism and transgressing taboos and things like that, which I find very interesting myself, but he has a concept called limit experiences. Oh. Um, uh, so usually in him, he's, he's talking about, uh, more sacred experiences, like sexual experiences, uh, abject pain or trauma, blah, 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 but he also extends he can take place in art and, uh, so, I wouldn't say uh, Fist of the North Star is high art, but there is something about them pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable at the time for animation, or just violence in general, that I feel like is similar to a living experience. Because the concept, the base concept of living experience is just that when you're introduced to a new philosophy, you have a few options. You can completely reject it. Which is what I do with all philosophy. Right. You can uh, neutralize it, and then accept it, so you make it palatable and you're like okay whatever or you can um bring it into yourself and let it uh have some effect on your current outlook or you know let it have an effect on you take it for what it is analytically you're not just gonna immediately oh you know what i believe in fascism now limit experience (laughs) i'm pretty sure i met plenty of those people um they're all on twitter yeah and some of them follow ben shapiro I think a lot of them were just like, um, Minecraft's cool. I'm, oh yeah, gamers I'm, rise up. But I'm 13 now, so I need to get into the real shit. And uh, my favorite YouTubers are all uh, vaguely alt right. So <laughs> that's what I'm into now. Follow M- Adventure Productions
0: on YouTube. Yeah.
1: I'm like, oh, I've just got to be so edgy. You know, there's actually, uh, in my dealings with the far left internet, there's a lot of like just edgy idiots there too that don't really understand there's two of them in this room right now <laughs> <laughs> they don't understand philosophical they don't have i don't know i don't want to go ahead yeah fuck they, it man they, no one's gonna hear this or... <laughs> it's like oh yeah you gotta listen to chop trap house and read theory and then oh, all, all cops are bastards and it's like well i agree with you with all cops are bastards can you uh formulate your opinion or explain why you think venezuela's great and, you know what i mean it's just like no you guys are just like throwing out the same garbage memes that the far right does. Just oh, just from the other side. Yeah, just to be provocative in some way. Which you know, I don't, there's a benefit to prov- provocation for sure and agitation. I, like I said, I like that in all forms of art, even just in social communication. I think it's beneficial. But you gotta have some substance behind it, and a lot of time it doesn't seem like they do. It seems like they're just also regurgitating memes. That's that's all
0: communication is these days. It seems true. like it, right?
1: Because. <laughs> Uh, like, oh yeah, I was watching the, um, post Game of Thrones stream that, like, Alt-Shift-X does. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, um, he was talking, like, someone, you gotta, like, pay money to get a super question or super comment on mm-hmm. YouTube so that he'll answer the question. And someone did that about what his thoughts are on how Danny's Switch, um, is sort of a spit in the face of feminism or whatever. Which, I, th- I think it's a weird stretch to apply modern political views to uh, this industrial capitalist shitty TV show, Mm -hmm. which is already, like, kind of weird anyways. Very lib. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, as soon as uh, someone asked that question and he responded to it, suddenly all the chat filled up with, feminism is cancer, feminism is cancer, feminism is cancer, and people just kept repeating that, and it's like, You did it, man. You conquered feminism by repeating (laughs) the same line. You and some other 15-year-olds all just got together and decided that's what it's going to be. And um, to me, that's the biggest failing of modern society and its art. (laughs) Feminism is cancer? No. Just Just the sloganization of the... Yeah, just everything is a meme. Everything is a
0: brand. I I guess. To a certain extent, that's kind of how all... um, communication has been throughout human history like it's just gotten worse and worse as mm. as you know uh, the internet and media has grown you know what I mean like a lot of it's so pervasive right uh, I mean but like if you look go back and look at you know previous political fights even going back to like the well, revolutionary my, fucking war my
1: Adorno quote is from the 40s yeah. so. <laughs> like there, there's um, there,
0: there, it's always like slogans it's just people throwing slogans at each other yeah you know? that's true uh, I mean, I, again, it's just gotten worse.
1: Well, you know what? Um, ACAB, bash the fash. Yeah, those are, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, but those ones align with my political beliefs. So, <laughs> uh, I'm. But yeah, I, at least you got like come up with your new ones. Like I was like, um, fucking kill cops, so make Chariza. <laughs> like fucking put that on a shirt.
0: Goddamn! Uh, coming soon to a Mavexter Productions uh, store near you.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, so anyways, uh, that also goes back into limited experiences anyways. Uh, you've noticed people don't want to be challenged at all, right? We mentioned, like, you can't even be critical of media now because people are... Oh, well, uh, you, well, you, I have you, see, like uh, You've talked about it, but I've seen so many
0: people like, why can't you just enjoy Game of Thrones? Even as bad as it is, but it's true. Like, you see that in everything.
1: Yeah, like, the... You, the um, Everything, oh, the the fan base turned toxic, and but, well, no, like sometimes things get bad, and people start to criticize them. Yeah, even if they're good, you can still be critical of things. It doesn't negate it, its distance or your enjoyment of it. Right,
0: that's the thing that people. I think
1: people seem to. Um,
0: uh, take criticism as Automatically this means That the thing that uh, that, that you're criticizing Is bad and
1: terrible Like well, and I can you know, have Perfectly
0: corrective Criticism about shit Part like, of it might
1: be That people are Have uh, invested way too much In of their self worth in this Yes yeah. because they feel Personally attacked If you don't like The same things they do mm-hmm. And it's like well Sometimes you like Things that are bad a lot subjective. Of people subjective I can... mean opinions Are subjective guys Yeah But uh, a big thing though uh, People don't like to be Challenged on their opinions and I think people don't like to have limit experiences, which I think actually might be important for internal growth. I'm not saying go out and watch Serbian film. Cause that's, I mean, I've seen it a few times myself, but I do like chasing grotesquities and things like that. That's not for everyone. But what I am saying is sometimes you, if you push yourself to the edge of what you've decided is acceptable, Like, that's all that exists in your personal philosophy and world sphere. Push yourself to the edge a little bit and be open about it. Sometimes it can expand your understanding and make you a better person, more satisfied. And to be so rigidly attached and conformed to products that are being made by... The culture industry, like it's, uh, I think we talked about this last time. I do think this ideology is dangerous, which is, I know it's weird for us to say because we host a '80s nostalgia pop culture. We've been pretty
0: critical about the movies you watch, but we are
1: very critical about the movies you watch, and uh, we do tend, or I tend to pick movies specifically that uh, exist outside of the. Studio systems that existed in the 80s, things that were maybe independently made, because most of the movies we watched are independently made, shitty horror movies, and so, you know?
0: I, I mean, I just kind of any 80s movies that I remember watching as a kid, mm-hmm. that's what I've been doing, but... I mean, there's some stuff that, crap too, like The Last Dragon's not your typical, uh... It's still one of my favorite movies.
1: hmm Um. And, uh, not typically financed for the time. Right. I mean, it was Motown Records that made it, yeah. so it is... I mean, say what you will about Motown, but, um... It is, it, and it was an especially unique voice at the time, which is, even if you get some... Shit, man, you can release the Last Dragon right now and it would still be an especially unique voice. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's not shit like Last there's Dragon. There's not a I mean, like,
0: how many, um, there's not a lot of pure, uh, movies that are predominantly black, right? Black, uh, no. Black Panther, there's Tyler Perry's
1: works, and then, um... Get Out. Get Out, and Us. Us, yeah. Well, that's even like Tyler Perry's works and some of the other um, movies that are uh, directed at a black audience are so low effort and pandering. Like I, they seem so disingenuous to me. I know it's I'm a white guy, so I can't say that definitely. But when I see trailers for what men want and shit like yeah. that, I'm like, this, this was not made through the passion of a black writer or a black artist. This is. Some 60-year-old white guy put a stamp of approval on some product that they're like, hey, you know, we can maybe make money off of this. Black people go to movies, right? <laughs> I like, mean, to a certain extent, it's true of some of it, right? But Tyler right. Perry has his own production Well, yeah, company. at least Tyler Perry. I mean, he is his, his own boss sort of thing, so that's cool. Yeah, but. I mean,
0: I think a lot of those movies are... are, are pretty crappy but mm. that's true they're not much different than the Ernest movies that's true yeah um, I can still enjoy them for what they are but at the same time they're not good no Tyler
1: Perry's cool though like I like when he is in other movies <laughs> and just being like an actor. It's like, oh yeah he's a pretty good actor and obviously he's talented I don't know it's look like, like I said it's not for me to decide I'm not a member I mean of you the can like, just you can have an opinion of it but I don't I'm, yeah but I can't I don't I don't think it's fair for me to have a uh,
0: Opinion on a the cultural
1: critique that would be stemmed from my connection to that culture, because yeah that's different yeah I'm like I'm white you know <laughs> we uh, weren't necessarily raised in a uh, all white environment or anything. There's a plurality where we lived, and I have familiarity with black culture from people I grew up with and stuff. But it's like not the same, you know. It's not for me to make that criticism. I think because I don't have the innate understanding. <laughs> Not to say it's innateness, though, because I don't really believe in essentialism. But, you know, there's the familiarity. <laughs> you didn't grow up. In yeah, the, the yeah. familiarity is not there.
0: Um, just to talk about one little bit about Force of Fist of the North Star. There's one scene that I, I have to fig- get your opinion on. Like, when they... Um, when uh, What's her name? Julia? Rulia? Rulia? Julia. <laughs> the she's in the, 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 babe? the Julia. main babe? Yeah, when she's captured, right? Mm-hmm. Lynn and Bat break into the dungeon. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem like they have any plan. Other than to see Julia and then leave, right? They don't have any way to actually help her escape. So what the fuck is the point?
1: Uh, I don't know. There's this a lot of this movie just seems to be you're running around and events happen, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of and then this happens and then something else going on and this happens. Well even Ray's whole storyline doesn't he comes to rescue his sister. And then he's and, hanging out with Lynn and Bat. Yeah, and then so he's... Sis where did his sister go? We don't know. They, his like village or whatever was <laughs> destroyed, right? I assume she's hanging out with Linden Bats kit or uh, family. Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't. Yeah, it's always It's just like whatever this happened and this happened. He's just riding in the back seat now. He's like, don't go too far, kids. Yeah, worst fucking babysitter. Oh, that, I, I so love cr- one. Uh, Rao's horse is the one who's that's like, his, he's like, whoa! I can sense her power, and it like looks angry. <laughs> like, Damn, that's a smart horse.
0: I, the thing that's crazy to me is they know they have this like special kid, and like Ken is, is said, oh, it's, I only know another other person like you, and I'm in love with her. Yeah, but they're like, all
1: right, go off and run around. We don't have to keep a special eye on you. No, I mean, there's only two of you that we know of, but and we really want to rescue the Earth, but you know, we got two of you, so <laughs> we can risk it. There's a fifty-fifty chance. And like the other thing
0: too is like you know all these road warriors are running around, you know, raping and murdering and killing and and robbing. Why are you letting your kids run around without supervision?
1: Yeah. Well, he's got a car.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just well. Also, I like that. Um, very early on they established like wealth is meaningless. Like, <laughs> yeah. The first like, well, I mean, the real wealth is food. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess commodity changes, you know, but they're like a bunch of jewels and. Dollar bills on the ground, and it's just a bunch of dudes eating dog food. And stuff. But yeah, yeah, dog food. Would say, all right. So now you get it. This is the real wasteland. Things have changed. God it's, damn it. Uh,
0: it's like when I the first time I read The Road, and they found those old dried up apples. I'm like, yeah, fucking a, apples. Fucking
1: apples. Or when they got a Coca Cola. Yeah, a Coca Cola. That's a good book. That's a good movie too. I haven't seen the movie. Oh really? Mm-mm. It's got Vigo in it. Vigo. Viggo Mortensen, as directed by John Hillcote, yeah. who, uh, you know, uh, the proposition.
0: Oh, 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 I got a proposition
1: for you. He's friends with Nick Cave. Oh, oh, I got a proposition for Nick Cave. It seems like anyone who's famous from Australia is Nick Cave's friend. <laughs> Mel Gibson? No, not Mel Gibson. Kylie Minogue, though. They did a song together. Can't get you out of my... Mm-hmm. Kylie Minogue. Boom, boom, Kylie Minogue you <laughs> are <It's> just Kyle <laughs> Kyle Mano Kylie Kylie's a slang term For a boomerang I think I Said that before On the podcast so <laughs> I don't know that's, all, that's just funny to me Australian <laughs> slang cool Julia dies No yeah, she doesn't When she like disappears Yeah And then at the end He's like Oh Julia made a forest But then she's like A <laughs> Not, I don't. I think she's dead. She's like, <laughs> she's like a, a a wooden ghost fairy lady now. She's one of the she.
0: <laughs> she's chilling in the forest. Yeah,
1: she's a banshee. Oh uh, no,
0: the wailing banshees. Oh, and that's the banshee coming from my soul. <laughs> she's a banshee.
1: Mm. Does
0: our family have a banshee?
1: No, it's only like the seven major uh tribes or whatever, like the O'Neills and stuff like that.
0: Oh, is the O'Shaughnessy's not one of the seven major tribes? No, man, it's
1: like it's the, uh, the, the King of O'Brien and No, it's like the O'Brien's the O'Toole's the O'Neills. Um there's some mix in there. I don't know. The Lynches, Connolly Ernesto, Che, Guevara Lynch. You know that famous quote from his father's In my son ran the blood of Irish rebels. It's Patrick Lynch, one of like the Mercantile Chieftains of Galway Went to uh, Argentina back in the day And he's like the great-grandfather of Che Guevara Che
0: Guevara
1: Yeah, so um, that's pretty cool, I guess <laughs> <laughs> I just always like that quote Like, in within my son ran the blood of Irish rebels They have like a mural in Derry of Che Guevara I mean,
0: if you have Irish blood in you Basically, within your blood runs the blood of Irish rebels
1: <laughs> Not if you're Ulster you got damn They're not aren- real Irish. You got damn landowners. <laughs> <laughs> Get England out of Ireland. Alright, you're going to jail now, Mary Lou McDonald. <laughs> leader of Sinn Féin. So, Fist of the North Star. Uh, we didn't talk about it that much. We talked about it from a really broadly external level. We didn't go over the plot too much, but I'm. I think there's not really a plot. Yeah, I, mean, I also just, think I'm kind babe of. Babe
0: got stolen. There's a nuclear wasteland. Some dude's going to s- save his babe. Yeah. I and think... she's got special magic tree powers. Yeah, and
1: they punch each other a lot. Yeah, it's there violent. you go. It, it c- looks I recapped cool. It. It's real cool. It's 80s it's ultra got a, violence shit.
0: Spouting some blood shooting out everywhere.
1: Yeah. I think I'm kind of done with the format we've been using where we discover the plot anyways let's well, kind of randomly talk about bits we like in the- yeah it's uh, more just like what uh the film inspires in me philosophically and stuff now i've been dreaming a lot too much lately i feel don't like, have any dreams anymore i feel like my brain's popping off just because i'm so like <laughs> i'm not gonna have to work in a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I uh, didn't spend any time thinking about what we were going to watch next, though, because I was too busy thinking about it. I didn't think about it, either.
0: I don't know if I have my list with me. Oh,
1: shoot. Oh, we could watch um, the first Muppets movie. It's about to be its 40th anniversary.
0: Didn't that come out like 79, though? Yeah. yeah I guess we can do that. It's June up to you. That's, we don't really do well with comedy movies.
1: Oh, That's a good point. There's a lot of uh, broader messages in the Muppets movie, though.
0: You want to watch another uh, Arnold one? You Yo. Watch Commando.
1: Mm, I don't know if I'll watch Commando.
0: What about... Uh, oh, if you sense you set them up, it's what about Dark Crystal?
1: Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Dark Crystal in a really long time. Alright, let's watch the Dark Crystal one. Jim Henson doing spooky stuff. I guess it's not that spooky. It's just kind of surreal. Well, it's... Uh, yeah, watch Fist of the North Star, though. Oh, challenge yourself a little bit. Watch an Ninja Scroll. The yeah, I can, you can if you want. <laughs> the animation's pretty cool. Yeah, I do remember liking the animation. That's the thing, though. So... Um, I'm willing to, like, transgress taboos and confront, like, sexual violence and things like that in art. Not to say there's any merit to it, but I'm, like, willing to confront it and see how it makes me feel and maybe how it, like, reinforces my negativity towards sexual violence and that sort of thing, but... That's one of those things where it's like, no, I can't like ever recommend, like, yeah, just you know, check it out, see how you feel about
0: it. Yeah, it's like no, like, because what if you you what if you check it out and you're like,
1: yeah, I kind of dig this, or like even if it it is you, you have any trauma associated with it or yeah, yeah, so that's a rough one.
0: Yeah, I watched watching this Girl once is
1: enough for me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like enjoyed watching it again, but. Some of it I didn't. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just uh, it was a different time, I guess, in 1994. <laughs> oh, I did watch the mid 90s this week though, the Jonah Hill movie that yeah, he directed. That's it. pretty good. Again, I haven't watched a. I
0: don't really watch a lot of modern movies unless my kids want to see them.
1: Oh, uh, your kids didn't want to see a uh, gripping uh, character study drama set in the 90s about a young boy dealing with his family life and finding a new group of friends.
0: No. No, but they're pretty excited about Detective Pikachu
1: Actually (laughs) I uh, was strangely hyped for it Before it came out And then re started. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's probably exactly what I expect anyways. I just thought it was going to be like cute Pokemon jokes and stuff. So <laughs> that's fine. Uh, after I spent this entire episode railing against the industrial You're like, oh, so, cute oh, Pokemon. Oh, oh, Pikachu, I know him. <laughs> He's cute. <laughs> I enjoy that product. Oh, Pikachu, I choose you. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that product from Japan. <laughs> Space Force. Space Force. Um, I don't know, is there anything else to talk about? Oh. Uh, We're going to do a live stream after Game of Thrones tonight. But But you won't know about that. So it'll be after it happens. Um, We got a website that's got links for YouTube, Twitter, other stuff. Uh, I'm about to quit my job, so I'm going to go real hard in the paint. The paint that is the internet. Uh, I'm going to try to be real inflammatory, agitating, see what I can do. Just get shit popping off on Reddit. Uh, (laughs) Probably not, though. I actually really can't stand Reddit.
0: I have trouble with the internet in general these days. Yeah. I grew up assuming most of these people were trolls, um, and it turns out they actually believe what they're saying, which uh, which means they're not trolls.
1: I think a lot of them don't believe what they're saying still, even if they think they believe it. This is like next level oh, epistemology sort really stuff, <laughs> but like, I, um, I they're like temporarily convinced of these ideas, but I don't think they've put enough thought into it or really, especially because. The user base of Reddit is like, what, like seventeen to twenty five or something? Not to say, oh, you damn kids, you don't know. I don't know,
0: man. Like, I I, like, you know, age seventeen to twenty five. Um, I knew, I knew what was going on. Like, I wasn't going on the internet. Like, yeah, black people and the Jews and women are the problem. I I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I. I mean, I had a kid at twenty five.
1: Oh, that's true. But I I just mean more people's um philosophies. They're not kids. They're just dumbasses. Yeah, but you're they can be fluid and change over time though.
0: That's a, such a weird change. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so that's so dramatic. Like when every really time drastic. I see like
1: reformed neo-Nazi or, or or like you know skinhead or racist, I'm like, yeah, I guess I can get it from uh, a certain time period of being a skinhead. Or skinhead specifically, because so if you're a different disenfranchised white boy in the, like 80s, early 90s, and like that's just kind of what you got into, because similar to, like mid 90s, the movie I watched where he just ends up with these skaters that they're good kids, but you know they get into trouble and blah blah blah. Same thing for like young skinheads. Um, I f- I feel like you can get away from that as you get older because you're probably just like, man, I was just hanging out with assholes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. But it it it, it is different. Now, where they are employing a lot more like deeper indoctrination, it seems like.
0: Yeah, it seems like they've gotten uh, they've taken it to uh, another level than what it was in like the 80s or 90s. Yeah, I mean, it's different than what I mean. There's still pro indoctrination going on even then. That's what, yeah. um, that's fucking stupid ass uh, Ed Norton movie, American History X. That's the one.
1: Why is that stupid? Because he just goes back on everything he learned.
0: He, well, I guess they don't set it up. They set it up like he might be, but yeah, that's kind mm. of
1: Well, that said, uh, just be careful on the internet. The internet does seem to be not the cause, but the accelerant for a lot of things.
0: Don't be careful on the internet. Be angry on the internet. Fight oh, yeah. back.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, get angry. You know, bash the fash. You know what it is. Uh, be careful. The media you consume, like just stick to weird eighties movies that we recommend. <laughs> watch any of this modern shit man it's, it's creepy unless here. we do a bonus episode with some modern shit then watch that yeah but it, I know, hopefully they'll still be a sort of like um,
0: I don't know we talked um, about doing um, it in the spider-verse which is uh, basically exactly what you started off
1: really, I yeah guess, so mm-hmm. I don't know oh don't worry we can solve the problems of capitalism with good feelings in most uh, animated films <laughs> 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 to be honest yeah. or most modern media So, even if it is, like, obviously, Into the Verse is about accepting who you are, accepting the world you live in, how you can... Themes, Kyle, are for
0: 8th grade book reports. (laughs) How you can
1: choose to help other people, you know, all the different levels of response, you know, all these great positive ideas, and the people that wrote it and put all the actual work into it, it's, oh yeah, sure, I'm sure they believe these concepts or whatever, but... These concepts aren't helping anybody, and all you're doing is making money for Fox, Sony, Sony. Oh yeah, Sony. Fox owns. Well, Fox is owned shit now. <laughs> Disney owns Fox now. <laughs> Fuck you, Fox. I don't know. Disenfranchisement has gotten to like it's a solidified apex level in my mind.
0: So. <laughs> You've reached a zenith.
1: Yeah. I was like, oh no, this is it. But well, that's Space Force. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if every episode is gonna be about all this crazy shit <laughs> but probably because it's like w- where w- a lot of my concerns lately so whatever i'm just being honest on the internet on my podcast what's <laughs> up <laughs> <laughs> well, so, all right space force dot productions.com i'm kyle aka Kiza, aka juicy k aka <laughs> i couldn't think of any more i was trying to think of him as we were doing the podcast so. <laughs> yeah Kiza is ah. the best though because it's uh like Riza and you like, <laughs> uh, One true alphabet. It's uh, knowledge, zigzag zig, a la Kizza. That's I think that's my <laughs> Fucking Snarl Marks, aka Snarl Marks. Is that uh, still your Twitter name? No, my Twitter one is Kizza now. Oh, is it? With I some mean. pentagrams. Check that out, everybody. Uh, I'm Sean. AKA um Daddy Bigfoot. <laughs> 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 I don't know, I'll think this some more next time. It'll uh, be fun. Great. <laughs> All right, space force. <laughs> space force.